welcome back to There's Always Another Podcast, a Brandon Sanderson reading and rereading podcast. I'm Justin, and as always, I am joined by... I, I didn't think of anything, Beth. Newsworthy Sam. <laughs> and I'm Caleb. Hmm. Beth, I could hear that pause where you realized you had not come up with an intro. <laughs> and I was, I was waiting to see if you were going to be able to get out of it. And uh, we got there. <laughs> get out of it is a, a generous turn of phrase mm-hmm. that I do appreciate. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, on the audio recording, Sam is newsworthy. And yet in our recording interface, he is apparently microwavable. It's true. It's, it's so convenient. A thing can be two things. Yeah, it's a newsworthy <laughs> that I'm microwave. Exactly, yeah, that's what I was going to say. All right. Everything is microwavable. It just depends on the size of the microwave and whether you're willing to let it explode. Economies of scale, people. <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone watch the YouTube channel, Is It a Good Idea to Microwave This? <laughs> was it made by the same people of Will It Blend? No, it was made by two teenagers spoofing Will It Blend, but on zero budget, which made it even better. <laughs> also, zero budget, if the if the answer to the question is ever no, that's kind of the end of the show if you have zero budget, huh? <laughs> they would just, like, go around on Garbage Day and look for microwaves that people threw out. Anyway, we read some more of The Way of Kings. Yes. Uh, we met the other character who is in this whole section of the book uh and there's still a lot of of intro you know this is this is a large book it has <laughs> it it can spend some time on intro and it's going to do so so we, we still have so much more book left in this book yes <laughs> it's true so many more bridges to hop yeah i uh i believe we may have some some discussion about the bridges at some point <laughs> oh my god i'm I, I am anxious and excited for bridge talk. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we've, we've got a little bit to get through first. We have uh, two, uh, two of our four chapters today have Shalon, who we have not met yet. Uh, and then the other two have Kaladin. And I, you know, I don't want to, I, I was thinking about this earlier today when I was going over what we had read and, uh, I don't want to like spoil things and indicate where the mood of this book is going to go. Uh, Kaladin's chapters all suck right now. And <laughs> when I was going over them, I was like, wow, this, like I, I feel like I want to apologize for this book of like, it's not all going to be misery forever, but wow, it sucks right now. <laughs> bad. He's having a bad time. Yeah. A, a rough patch. A, uh, a rough patch. It also proves that you, you picked the correct name for your dog, because in, like, every other picture of him, he <laughs> looks like he's deep in the throes of an existential crisis. <laughs> I'm like, buddy, you're two years old and a dog. <laughs> he looks so sad. I post pictures <laughs> of him online, and people are like, no, you need to give him love and treats and pets. And I'm like, he's fine. He's just stubborn and looks like that all the time. <laughs> Uh, but before we get to uh, Kaladin's miserable existence and some very unusual bridges, uh, we have a our first Shallan chapter uh, and a, a page of sketches of sky eels. 
Yeah. Uh, because if because if you're the kind of person who thought that eels look creepy, what if they flew? <laughs> what if they could get you on land? They can't. They're too small to get you. They just eat rats. It's fine. <laughs> Heebie-jeebies. <laughs> How does the creature stay in the air? With with air sacs. I do really like though that this is not. Like th- this is clearly an an in universe artifact. All of these have been, uh, and you know we had we had maps that came from like an official map collection, and then we have this that is is just like a personal uh, kind of journal page where there's there's questions and notes as we go. I, I think it's it's cool. Yeah, um, this will come as no surprise to anyone who knows me personally. I think the sky eels are kind of cute. I love this. I love this page. It's great. And when we put them in the adaptation, we can just have the narrator from JoJo come in and be like, Sky eels fly using the air sacs under their wings. They can go underwater for a long period of time because the air sacs will give them buoyancy and help them resurface quickly. Also, the sky eels aren't even really relevant to this upcoming chapter. They just are there. So we get a drawing of them. Uh, Yeah, starting... Here, chapter three, City of Bells. Uh, we no longer have the uh, kind of banner and spears that that Kaladin had as his chapter logo. Uh, we have a weird, ominous thing that's hard to tell what it is. <laughs> it's a train coming down a maze. It kind of does look like that. <laughs> it does. Like, you, you've got the one headlight that's like reflecting in front of you. And the smokestack. Like smoke yeah. It's not a light at the end of the tunnel. It's another train. Get out of the way. <laughs> I was going to say, how long do we have to wait before we get some some train content? But the answer is actually not all that long number of books wise. Yeah. So. Buckle up. Yeah. <laughs> Choo-choo, motherfucker. You don't put pants <laughs> on, on a train. Uh, but yeah, we have a uh, another uh, mysterious quote here. Uh, this one from a cobbler of some renown was uh, where this was collected from. He heard a child crying. They were his own tears. But who was phone? It is a little bit who was phone there at the end. But it is also interesting because these are all like the quotes are all first person perspective, presumably from people who are dying. And the fact that he is telling a story about someone else 30 seconds before his own death. I don't know, it's, 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 it's a little funky. It's a little interesting. The last thing I'll do in my last moments is describe the last moments of someone else who may or may not exist. Yeah, definitely unusual. Uh, as we start the chapter itself, uh, we do break the, the trend of having the first word of the chapter be the, the uh, POV character. Uh, Shalon's name is like the eighth word or whatever that is. I didn't count. <laughs> Tenth word. But here we are in Carbranth, the City of Bells, uh, which I believe was one of the places that as we were going over the uh, the map early on, uh, we did at least call out Carbranth specifically at some point. Yeah, it's a, a lovely little town. I would quite it like is. to visit Carbranth if it existed. I mean, it sounds, sounds like pretty. a really cool place. Yeah. 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 For now, until some horrible thing happens later on in the book, <laughs> presumably. 
yeah, right now, uh, it is, it is in fact the city of bells. That's what it's known as, is it has, uh, quite a few of them. Uh, it also just looks really cool the way that it, it kind of builds up from the Harbor all the way kind of up the, the side of this hill. It's, uh, it's a very cool image. I would like to, I would like to see the view that Shalon gets here as, as the ship sails into Karanth. Because here we have Shalon, uh, and she is a, uh, a younger girl and is arriving here in, in Karanth. She's come here by ship and is somewhat, uh, striking out on her own. I mean, she has the, the crew of the ship to assist her and we'll meet a few of them. Uh, but other than that, it is, uh, it's kind of a, the beginning of a journey here. Well, more like the, the middle of a very long fair hopping place to place. <laughs> journey. Yeah, that's fair. We have, we've kind of come into this in the, the middle of it. Uh, we meet uh, a couple of the, the crew of the ship. We have lots more uh, Thalen names, which I, I really like Thalen names. Uh, the captain Tosbeck is probably the most pronounceable of any Thalen name we get. <laughs> uh, and and we also have a a physical description. Uh, this is something that we'll we'll see with some some other Thalens here and there. Uh, they grow their eyebrows very very long and then like style them. Seems like a lot of work. Every now and then I pluck mine and I'm like, God, does the agony never cease? <laughs> now I'm just picturing uh, Tim Curry from Captain Hook, or from fucking from Hook from the movie Hook. <laughs> As Captain Hook in the movie Hook. Real quick as we all Those get... Those are some uh... eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> I think in the cover... Or, wait. He played a captain. That's wrong. Who played who played Captain Hook in Hook? Uh, Dustin uh, Hoffman, according, yeah, to, oh. according to Wikipedia. Him and, because Bob Hoskins was Smee, I believe. Yeah. Am I that correct? You are correct. <laughs> but uh we also have uh Tosbeck's uh wife Ashlev who Sam was uh was mocking me for not putting on our list of characters that we're going to be casting later. I, I am deeply sorry to Ashlev who does have a good name. <laughs> it's a great name. Uh Shalandruer. Uh so maybe we could just consult her notes because nobody else mentions what she looks like, I don't think. That's Let us true. see the notes, Shalan. Give us the receipts. <laughs> but yeah, we have uh, we've arrived here uh, in Carbranth, and we hear our first bit about what the uh, the actual goal is, uh, which is that uh, Yasna Kolin uh, has been moving around from from town to town for almost six months now, and. Shalon has been attempting to catch up and have some sort of meeting with her. Uh, and it's just been, it's been one really awful video game quest of, oh, you just missed her. This is where, <laughs> this is where she went next. Uh, God damn but, it. Your princess is in another castle. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but the, the news from, from the port is that uh, Yasna's ship has not left. And so finally uh, it's time to, to actually do the, the task that, Shalon has to do because they they finally caught up. 
before we uh, before we depart from the ship, there's a uh, a bit of, of kind of some banter between Shalon and the uh, the ship's captain, who uh, we come to see this a little bit. Shalon has somewhat of a a trend toward towards uh, being kind of quippy, and the the captain is is saying, you know, oh, you know, we're we're sailors. We don't even know how to be polite. You don't have to hold your tongue around us. You know, what were you gonna say? And uh, we'll see, like, people have very different reactions to Shalon's little little quips here. So I'm curious what people, what people think of her so far. <sighs> okay. It's, it's just, it's so exhausting. I have had friends who thought that it was like a clever retort to just like dismantle the the idioms that somebody used when they spoke and it's like it's not just please (laughs) i will say you are sam you are definitely not alone in having this reaction to uh to to shallan's witticisms here i don't mind it yet it it might grow to get tiresome if it if if it's always as like over the top as it is on page 64 um but for now it's fine i was just kind of still caught up in in um uh slowly realizing of another plot line where brandon is like all right there's an upper middle class family they're struggling financially politically so the heir who's like a really good person now has to like do some politicking and also at the same time she's pretty and smart but she has no luck with the men isn't that a shame um and then also this is the second time yes i'm insisting that's the second time that a character's parent is secretly dead and she hasn't told anyone about it yet just caleb. like <laughs> caleb <laughs> you gotta it's, let it go it's like poetry it rhymes no no it oh, doesn't boy. yeah the uh we we've seen uh, over the course of of this chapter and the next chapter we get uh, we get some details that uh Shalon is is very carefully not conveying about the the state of things uh because her family is in a a bit of a precarious place here we'll uh, we'll come to learn that they they've been doing decently well financially but things are starting to take a turn for the worse uh, which has been very much complicated by the fact that uh, Shalon's father has died. Uh, and nobody knows that yet because they live in the middle of nowhere. Uh, but Shalon is here to uh, to try to kind of turn things around for her family. I know, I'll become an understudy. That's, uh, that's step one. <laughs> step one, pretend to become an understudy of Yasna Colon. Step two, steal her soulcaster. Step three, rise in power. Hang on, can can we can we go back to that step two real quick? Oh, no. That seems like an important one. Step three is question marks. <laughs> step four is profit. It makes profit. perfect sense. <laughs> profit. So, but before we can do any of those steps, we need to do step one, which requires us to meet Yasna. So, uh, we are going to go up to the uh, the the conclave at the very top of the hill. Uh, where where the king lives, where Yasna will most likely be, uh, and our friend Yalb uh, is going to be the the one to to assist Shalon in in that. 
It is very... Shalon doesn't seem to mind all that much now that she's finally in the city that Yasna is in. But we mentioned before that this is like a video game fetch quest of trying to find her. And I do think it would be very funny if this were a video game. It's like, you finally made it. You're finally in the same city. You sail into town. And then the objective marker is literally as far away <laughs> as possible on the other side all of town. All the like, way to the top right, of the hill. Uh, this is a new city, so you haven't gotten any of the fast travel points. Just make your way over there. That's that's it now. And it's going to take like 20 minutes to get there. <laughs> I'm just imagining all the RPGs I've played were like... Oh, the 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 quest markers in this door, and you go through the door, and then the and it just scene moves. loads. It it loads the new page, and then oh, it's it's out the door. <laughs> you Come you on. would also you have to imagine that Yalb does not quite walk at the same speed that Shalon does. Oh, absolutely! Oh God, not. <laughs> he, he's faster than your walking speed, but slower than your jogging speed. Mm -hmm. So you just constantly have to to switch back and forth between those two. And if you get too far away, even if it's too far ahead of him, Yalb says, "Hey, this way," and forces you to come back before he keeps walking. <laughs> All I can say is, God bless Red Dead Redemption. Do they sync your your speeds? You hold a button, and it syncs your speed with the person you're with. It's a good way you're to right. do it. God bless. It's so good. God bless you, John Marston. John Redemption. <laughs> John Redemption. <laughs> Excuse you, it's John Red Redemption. <laughs> Sorry. Red was my father's name. <laughs> so as a as Shalon begins this this trip, uh, we start to. Uh, this is something that will definitely be true for a little bit at least with the the Shalon chapters. Is uh, there's a lot more time because life isn't so miserable that we can just learn interesting things about Roshar, uh, including uh, Roshar has some unusual gender roles. Mm -mm. Uh, we hear about the the outfit that uh, that Shalon is wearing. Uh, which has a, a sleeve that completely covers her left hand, uh, which some of the people in this city, the, uh, you know, the, the, the more common folk, they might wear a glove if they're not caring as much about propriety. But Shalon is, is very proper and has a, has a full uh, sleeve that, that covers her hand completely. We also learn that men can't read. Unseemly. Would never bring myself to read. <laughs> It is one of the the stock jokes in the the Sanderson fan community that uh, the only proper way for uh, a man to to read these books is by the audiobooks and have someone read them to you, as is as is done in Voren society. If a man would like to to consume some literature, but the most common audiobooks have Michael Kramer narrating them. He's a man. Yeah. It's still improper. Yeah. Maybe he's an ardent. You never know. <laughs> you don't have to pay them ardents. Yeah. Yeah. Or parchment. Or to pay them either. No. Hey, could, are we gonna are we gonna talk about the parchment? Uh, like, extensively. <laughs> extensively, I'm sure. <laughs> like I I know we're less than a hundred pages in. Brandon. You can't keep doing this. I really <laughs> no. I really I got like Loving this book so far. Really don't love 
the group of dark-skinned people that everyone's like, they're so dim-witted, they barely talk, they, they're basically animals. And, like, much like in Mistborn, even if the end of the book is meant to be like, no, you shouldn't think that way, it's still like, you don't, you don't have to make it the dark-skinned people, Brandon. You don't, you, no one made you do that. I don't know. I'm all, I, I'm already pretty uncomfortable with how the parchment have been described so far and I, uh, we'll, we'll see we'll see i'm not writing it off but uh yeah it's uh it's weird it's weird how the parchment are are depicted so far yeah it's sort of like um there's a neil breen movie where he wrote a role for like a 16 year old girl who's like attracted to him but in the plot of the movie he turns her down okay but you still wrote it. You could know? just have that not happen. You could just not had it in there. <laughs> oh, Brandon. Yeah, we will. There will definitely be lots to uh, to discuss uh, in regards to uh, lots of things involving kind of class politics and people on Roshar. Uh, but yeah, there's a there's some some weirdness there. I will point out. Um, Last book, uh, Elantris, last uh, two back, um, two guys back, uh, we complained that we never saw a single lower class person ever in any meaningful way, and now here we are, we're, we're just shuffling all over, it's great. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, in fact, Shalon is our first upper class person, I think. And my God, is she ever upper class? Yes, she is uh, quite uh, quite sheltered and uh, quite uh, kind of ignorant of her own uh, her own status. We've technically seen the king as he got his ass kicked, but aside yes. from that, <laughs> we 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 saw the most upper class as he was dying, uh, and then and then we we stuck with Kaladin for a bit. And now we're here with uh, with Shalon, uh, who goes full on. It's one banana. What could it cost in this chapter? Hundred <laughs> percent. Full throated admission of not understanding what currency is. Yeah. Before yes, quote before this trip, she'd never used money. Doesn't it say she thought it just looks pretty or something? Yes, quote continues, she just admired the spheres for their beauty. In her slight defense for that specific line, we do get descriptions of the money, and they're basically really fancy-looking, like, Moncala pieces, which I've also I've always thought do look really cool. So, she's, I don't think she's wrong that they look very no. pretty, but, yeah, it's, it's also weird that it's like, oh, that's, that, that's your exposure to how money works? Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's one of those things that's like a an explanation, but not an excuse. Yes. That she is is fairly young, uh, lived in a somewhat isolated place, in in a family that uh, you know a large family that that did a lot of business things that she didn't need to worry about. But yeah, now she's here in Carbranth and needs to do things like pay someone to transport her across the city. Uh, and wildly overpays because she has no concept for what that would be worth. <laughs> oh, I'm just so full of zingers in my notes here. Um, let's see. Y'all walks alongside her cart because holy shit, this lady. 
<laughs> I guess Brandon got a chance to write a real upper class person, didn't want to miss his shot. Yeah. It's uh you know, we're gonna take the the full the full trip. We don't take the long trip, we take the short trip through town. But yeah, she's, takes longer. Uh, yeah. The the longer trip does take longer. <laughs> but yeah, she's just enjoying the ride as uh, as Yalb is is walking. I like Yalb. I, I do haven't like seen Yelp. too much of him yet, but it's just such a, a nice contrast to our other protagonist. Echelon gets to walk through a nice city, or get carted through a nice city, and and chat with a charming man. It's pleasant. But yeah, they uh, they they go on this this trip all the way up to the conclave, and we get to see kind of a, a whirlwind of of sights in the city. We've We've heard enough now about the uh, the storm, because uh, when when we were talking about the the map pre book, I I feel like the impression that uh, that Caleb and Sam that you got was that this was like a like Jupiter's great spot situation where there's like there's a storm out there that is is like swirling and, and brewing and whatnot and you don't go over there. Uh, the the impression that I think we is more clear at this point is that it's more like an enormous hurricane that uh, is uh, is definitely going to move, and so Carbranth, the way that it's built, the the thing that this city is kind of famous for is that the the structure of the the geography here means that this city is is very safe from the storm, and so they get to kind of celebrate that. I do kind of, uh, I like the scene at the, the end of this trip or at the end of the, the first trip here where the, uh, the porter tries to rip Shalon off uh, and, you know, because Yalb is translating. And so the porter tells Yalb, you know, hey, if, if I charge her like three times as much, I'll pay you half of it. Uh, and, and Yalb calls him out on it, which, you know, it, yeah, I, I like this guy. He's fun. Shout out to Yalb. Good like dude. Good, good egg. <laughs> is he eventually gonna do a i'm walking here thing he could I'm walking here. <laughs> i mean the context of that was like he's showing his friend around the town and and this cabbie just tries to run mm-hmm. him over overruns the crosswalk so could happen hey, shout out to dustin hoffman he's, he's getting a lot of a lot of play today we love him <laughs> hey, hey shout out to scarves too in this weather <laughs> Scarfs, shit, man. You right. Is it scarves or scarfs? We had this discussion at work the other day and never got a clear answer. I'm on team scarves. Well, I wonder what our listeners are on team. <laughs> this is our engagement. Send off of the, the comments. Week. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah. At the end of this trip, uh, this is where, uh, after she avoids. Uh, grossly overpaying for the the taxi ride uh she grossly overpays yalb just because she doesn't know what like a reasonable wage is uh, <laughs> and pays him you know this was probably like you know 50 bucks to uh and and says you know thank you for accompanying me and also this is to in case i need your help in a little bit i'd, I'd like you to stick around and he's like yeah for 50 bucks sure for a few hours. They didn't even have phones back then. They couldn't play Angry Boyds while he waited for the <laughs> lady. I don't think that's until chapter 7, but we will st- we will see 
what uh yeah that's later we will see what yelp is doing and it's a fun scene we will see some angry birds <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's playing Ang- roshar angry birds angry sky eels <laughs> he's just walking up to random people and going hey do you have any games on your soulcaster <laughs> but uh yeah we have we have arrived at uh the conclave which is kind of the 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 palace it needs several things. It's a palace. It's an enormous library, as we see later. Um, there's there's all sorts of things here. This is kind of the this the center of uh, of everything in Carbranth. And it's uh, I also want to see this place. It looks really cool. But uh, the the goal here is to go meet with Yasna, and uh, and so that is uh, that's what we're going to try to do there's a, a servant who is is going to go find her uh, and shalon just has a little bit to kind of think over things of uh, what what she's what she actually has to do here we learn about uh the the Voren beliefs in uh in one's calling which is kind of a uh like a a, a life mission that you should dedicate yourself to and uh she she's considered art she quite enjoys art she does her sketching and all that uh, but uh, more than than art she ends up settling on natural history she wants to study these things in a little bit more depth than than simply just trying to capture them as a, as a sketch or something we also get a little bit of world building that one of the uh, servants here is of the second non, a dark-eyed citizen of very high rank, um, which I we don't know the full context of what that means, but gives off like almost caste system vibes to me, mm-hmm. um, which is it's interesting. I'm I'm assuming we'll eventually get a little more detail on that, but um, get getting little new terms here and there. That's flushing things out. After a little bit of time, though, uh, kind of looking around the. Uh the the carvings of the conclave and thinking about art and history and all that uh good news uh, yasna is here in in the conclave and the uh the the servant is going to take shalon for for a meeting uh, we learn that uh, yasna is a heretic she does not believe in the uh the the Voren teachings somewhat famously so and uh that might that might cause some some sort of of small controversy but uh yeah this is uh this is we don't know the full plan and we won't until the uh, the end of the next chapter uh but step 1 of the plan is become apprentice to Yasna Kolin to try to uh try to save the fortunes of House Devar and literally the moment before those characters first meet we're going to finish that chapter and come back to it in a little bit (laughs) uh the way i ended my notes for this chapter was uh the first step to her house not getting destroyed is this relationship with yasna which starts to be continued yep (laughs) and scene (laughs) we'll we'll get back to that we'll get back like literally to that exact moment after we get through chapter four first Uh, chapter four uh, it's time to see how Kaladin is doing the answer is not well mm. uh, but before we get to uh, how Kaladin is doing uh, we have what I think is the the creepiest of the the epigraphs thus far uh, given the 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 question healer why do you take my blood you know mm. 
medical stuff. <laughs> just just doctoring. experiments. Healers take my blood all the time, and I don't complain about it. Man up. <laughs> Collected 20 seconds before death. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do? Take my blood? <laughs> we also, I'm mentioning this now because I don't have any theories related to it yet, but... The, the face that we see in the, the archway over the, the chapter heading for this one mm-hmm. is one we've already seen. I was really expect I, I do think those are meant to be heralds, but I was really expecting to go like 10 full chapters before the repeat. But no, this is the exact same one as in chapter one. So again, I don't have a theory, but I'm curious if there is some intentional choices as to which herald is depicted at the, at the uh, graphic start of each chapter um yeah just something interesting i recognized him because he looked like an assassin from assassin's creed kind of does with that uh that hood with the the big peak at the front yeah hell yeah but we we return here in in chapter four to kaladin in the uh the slave wagon here and uh they're they're nearing the end of their their journey we'll get to the end of this trip in a bit uh, but in the meantime, it's just, uh, it's not great. This uh, this windspren has returned and is is kind of pestering Cal with some questions. And uh, he's he's not really in the mood for it. Yeah, it's a, maybe a bad time for... For philosophizing? <laughs> for philosophizing. What is crying? Yeah, it, it's a, a difficult situation here to try to get any answer because... Kaladin, it like you said, is, is this is not a good time for him to be spending time on these kind of deep thoughts, and uh, his conversation partner doesn't seem to know much of anything. So, like you could kind of try to get a, a kind of a, a Socratic sort of dialogue here, where you know she, he says, you know, why should I cry? What would it change? And and she says, well, why do people cry? And you know, may, maybe you could chase that somewhere, but. Cal is not in the mood for that. Why do people cry? Are they stupid? He doesn't want to think about crying, but he does want to think about cool world building about Roshar. <laughs> He's hoping for some weeks of spring again soon. Weather and seasons were unpredictable. You never know how long they would go on, though typically each would last a few weeks. Which is, like, uh, astronomically speaking, kind of an insane lore drop because that either means a year is super short and the planet is revolving super quickly around this the star um or what i think is more likely the weird weather of roshar and all the weird storms are so wacky that people refer to the things those cause as seasons instead of actually tying that to the revolution of the planet which is like i don't know that's just crazy that that <laughs> a season just flat out means something different because of how nuts the weather is here. So I think I am going to answer this one right. uh, because you're you're actually very close on with the second one. Uh, there's a couple of places where the this is a, a fantasy book that presumably is not written in English and is being you know translated et cetera et cetera that kind of thing. 
Uh, there's a there are a couple of places where the the words don't quite line up how we'd initially expect, and I always think they're fun when you realize that like wait that isn't actually what they mean, uh, and you've spotted one of them here with with seasons. Yeah. Uh, and the there is an astronomical explanation, uh, which is that Roshar has very very little axial tilt at all, and so oh. it basically doesn't have the like full-on temperature change seasons that earth does and so the like like you surmised the the word season here is more just like a an extended period of weather that's rad hmm. yeah roshar's cool uh more roshar being cool and weird uh as this as their wagon is traveling across the the plains here the the grass is like retreating into the ground in front of them and then coming back up behind them which would just look weird <laughs> that's a little squirmy Ugh. yeah it's it's a a little unnerving if you're if you don't want all of your plants to be moving about on their own free will like that what's the what's the phobia of like a bunch of small holes really close together like Tryptophobia. This planet would be hell if you had that. Because all that grass has got to go somewhere. Presumably it's into little holes. And the same with all the plants. I'm kind of picturing a very, like, Studio Ghibli-esque shot of the wagon going across the, the countryside. And as it's... There's, like, a spot of, of earth around it, but then the grass just grows back up as soon as the wagon passes by. I find that kind of charming. I think that's really cool. I think it depends very much on how closely zoomed in your camera is. That's probably true. <laughs> and whether you can see all the holes in the ground. We have some time to kind of explore Roshar and world building here. Uh, because Tavlakov has gotten lost. So we're not kind of heading anywhere in particular right now. Uh, Kaladin offers to... Uh, he offers to help very briefly. And... Uh, Tavlakov says, you know, you you were a deserter from the army. Sometimes the army comes around here. Maybe you you know this this place. And Cal says, all right, give me the map. Let me take a look. And then just grabs the map and tears it up and throws it in Tavlakov's face. <laughs> Which is exactly how this interaction would or should go. Yeah, to be fair, his, Kaladin's actual offer is... Perhaps you should pray to the Almighty for guidance. I hear as a fondness for slavers keeps a special room and damnation just for you. And that's the trigger for Tlaq going, hey, this guy might help. Yeah. <laughs> Keldon never offers to help. He just says, let me see the map. Yeah. And Tlaq gives it to him and gets it torn up. <laughs> it says, Bluth, tag, do something. No. Nah. Nah. <laughs> I, I would I would prefer not to. <laughs> and then it follows from there because Tavlakov, his read is, oh, you're trying to make yourself important because now I have to ask you for directions. And so Kaladin gives him directions, which is, all right, find a cliff, you know, so that uh, so that we can see where we are. No, so I can throw you off of it. <laughs> and herein lies a very fascinating conversation because... Tavlakov keeps not getting pissed off and just kind of like shrugging it off and keeps chatting with Kaladin. And 
I'm kind of with Kaladin by the end of this section of Kaladin going, God, he's a slaver and he's a fucking bastard. And weirdly, I, he's I'm kind of growing, he's growing on me. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck's going on here? <laughs> how, how did this happen? He's Cameron Mitchell. <laughs> Always. <laughs> so, I'm telling you, it's a good fit, I think. Except he's dead. Um, sorry, Cam. <laughs> May he be closing the fucking doors in heaven. We also get a very brief moment where it's mentioned that Tlakov can't see the windspread, which is berserk as shit, Brandon. I see you. I see what you're doing here, and I love it. Uh, also, as uh, Kaladin and Tlakov are talking, uh, we we get a bit more uh Tavlakov knows a bit more than than Kaladin thought he did which is that uh th- that Kaladin came from Amram's army and has a a deep vendetta against him uh, i like the way that that Tavlakov phrases this which is you know i'm i'm not scared that you're going to come kill me because you want to kill him way more than you want to kill me. And if he dies, then I know to run. <laughs> He's the canary in the coal mine. God damn it, I love this guy. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the uh, the apparent reality of the situation is that the actual crime that Kaladin is apparently guilty of would mean that he'd never actually get sold as a slave so the the kind of polite fiction here uh is that he's been marked as a deserter that's the story that they're going to go with it's still pretty bad but it's not as bad as what actually happened and uh, nobody will say anything about it i mean to his credit to block of even the he is oh there's got to be a good word for it he's not he doesn't tell the truth but he sticks to his lie and he's a man of his word, even, even if his lying. word isn't actually like strictly <laughs> speaking correct, he does stick with it. Right. He's a man of all word. <laughs> yeah. Claim otherwise, and you will gain nothing but a reputation for dishonesty, which is what later happens. Remember, Jerry, it's not a lie if you believe it. I don't know if Tavlakov even believes it. He just wants to stick with it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I just saw an opportunity to quote George Costanza and I had to take it. That's fair. <laughs> uh, shortly after that, we we get our first high storm, which we don't see a lot of because uh, Callan spends all of it shut in this wagon, kind of hoping that nothing bad happens. And it's it's leaky, so there's, there's water coming in. Uh, it is... Uh, you know, this is like you know going through an enormous thunderstorm in a very small car or something like that. It's not a pleasant experience. But uh, Kaladin actually has a a very practical kind of concern during this storm, uh, which is you know there there's stories about you know, mysterious things in in the storm or whatnot, and he's he's not too concerned about that. He's thinking that back in the army, there was definitely a time or two when they had to like find a rock ledge and hide under and that was all they had and nothing ominous or evil happened it was just a really violent storm what what he's worried about is Tavlok of getting killed during the storm and then the slaves just getting abandoned here which is a, a, a very practical 
thing to be concerned about. Yeah, I think it's telling that I remember this chapter is like, hope spot is a very strong word, but there's some moments where Kaladin is like, there's a, there's a chance here, like whatever comes next could, could be good by the end of the chapter. So I built this in my mind as like, this is the hope spot chapter at while Kaladin contemplates, yeah, if this guy dies, I'm just going to get left to starve in this box. We are approaching the destination, though, which means that uh, Tavlakov is going to to take the chance uh, to give his uh, his wares here a, a very cheap bath by just opening the, the cage uh, walls at the end of the storm and letting everyone get rained on so they get cleaned off a bit. <laughs> which surely would not lead to any of them catching cold. And if you happen to get lost on your way to destination, that cold would likely set in with the next within the next 24 hours. And then you have a bunch of sick, tired, coughing slaves to sell. <laughs> well, if you get away with it, then at least they smell a little less when you go to sell them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we have we have arrived at the destination. And in a you know weird twist of fate for for Kaladin's life, uh, he's made it to the Shattered Plains. It is far from the way that he expected it to happen, but he's here now. And and this is apparently where the where Tavlakov is, is planning on, on making his deals. And slaves are treated great here. They're going to get wages. The king probably cares about them super individually. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great, everyone. It's definitely going to be great. <laughs> we we have another chapter in between before we get to chapter six, bridge four. But uh and and Kaladin is not even you know, he, he he has been betrayed before. He is not willing to put his faith in much. Uh but yeah, Beth, like you said, there is uh there is a tiny bit here where we've we've made it to the the place where the uh the alethi army is where this kind of noble fight is going on and maybe kaladin will be, will be able to work himself back to that situation uh and if like he like he says if he if he could find that that man who cared that he used to be if he can find that anywhere it'll be here anyway chapter five <laughs> Yeah, let's uh let's go back to to Carbranth for a second before we get to Bridge Four. She's having such a hard time having to do politics with a woman who doesn't <laughs> like her very much. It's so sad and depressing that she has to deal with this. Then she has to take a cart ride all the way down back to the boat, probably. It's so tiring. Alright, well, yeah, we're going to uh we're gonna rejoin that uh that moment that we left off at the end of, of chapter three. Uh, here we are, chapter five. Uh, we're meeting Yasna Kolin. Uh, and I'm going to briefly tangent before I get to this this opening line of this chapter, because rereading this, this was quite funny to me in retrospect. Um, one of the things that we're going to get when as we go through Stormlight, because there there is more space and more characters to work with, there's going to be more opportunity for romance with our main characters. Uh, and that'll actually be like a bit of a focus at some point. 
And one of the things, I don't remember if it was just after Way of Kings or if it was more into Words of Radiance, uh, but some fans uh, from at Q&As with Brandon, uh, one thing that I think came up like as a recurring thing was people would ask Brandon, uh, is Shalon bi? Because for them, they were saying, she she reads that way very much to me, and I'm wondering if that's a thing that you have in mind. Uh, and Brandon's response was pretty much, huh, I guess you're right. <laughs> the funniest possible answer. <laughs> sure. Because <laughs> uh, he said it was not his intent, but when when people talked about uh, the, the the different examples that they had, he said, yeah, no, I guess I can see that. Uh, which was on my mind when I read the very first thing that Shalon thinks upon meeting Yasna Kolin is that she's pretty. <laughs> she, the first slide, she not expected Yasna to be so beautiful and then goes on for like a page just describing her and her statuesque stately beauty with discriminating eyes. I know what you are. To be fair, she was expecting an ugly unmarried spinster <laughs> in her 30s just like Serene. <laughs> Whose mother is dead? Um, Caleb. <laughs> that is the that that is unfortunately only the second funniest accidental confirmation of a character being bisexual, and Beth very much knows the funniest one. I do. Rule: raise your hand if you're right-handed, and raise your hand if you're left-handed, Beth. Oh. <laughs> now raise your hand you if you're bisexual. <laughs> Are you talking about when real-life straight actor Misha Collins accidentally came out as bisexual? Are you telling me that you wouldn't consider Misha Collins quite a character? <laughs> I can't. I can't talk about this. I'm not strong enough. All right, let's let's go back to chapter five then. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like this is the way that that Shalon talks about this i feel like she was expecting like a cartoon witch because <laughs> like yasna is infamously a heretic is uh part of the royal family is not married i'm like the vibes that i'm getting are kind of like you know witch in the woods and then she actually meets yasna and it's and and she's like She's beautiful and very well put together and, and all that. And Shalon doesn't know what to think about that. But uh, yeah, here we are. We have, we, Shalon has finally caught up the, uh, you know, the, the mission has been accomplished. Yasna is now in the same room. And uh, there's, there's a bit of a, a break before Shalon actually gets to, to talk to her because there's uh, some sort of important business dealing going on uh, as, as these, these, this group of people is walking along and talking. Uh, Shalon gradually realizes that uh, the the person that Yasna is directly talking with is uh, the king of Carbranth, uh, which is like overall a it's a it's like a city state. It it doesn't hold a lot of territory, but it's a it's still a pretty important place. And so this is this is the king of Carbranth is a important person. Yasna is the the daughter of uh, of King Gavilar. Her brother is the current king. So this is a this is an important meeting here. 
but uh, shortly after this, they they finish their negotiation. There's uh, there's some deal that's struck. We'll we'll get back to that later. Uh, and uh, Shalon gets a chance to speak with with Yasna, and it goes uh, not spectacularly well for Shalon's plan. <laughs> yeah, it's a little uh, problematic. It starts out with a uh, a bit of a good sign in that uh, Shalon is is very apologetic about taking so long to to actually get to this meeting. And, and Yasna waves her off and says, you know, I, I didn't know where I was going to be, so I couldn't tell you where to meet me. So I just had to keep going. And the fact that you did actually come to meet me is, you know, that, that shows your, your tenacity, which is a, a kind of a concerning sign for Shalon that this may have been some sort of test. Because the, the impression that Shalon has apparently been working under is... She had she had written some letters. She had corresponded with Yasna, asking to to become her ward to take this position, uh, and it seemed to have gone fairly well in Shalon's mind. And so she made this whole journey. What seems to be more accurate is that Yasna is offering her an interview, and that's as far as we've gotten. And uh, the, we're not going to waste any time here, because as uh, as Yasna is is going to. Uh, travel to the the thing that she needs to to do for Teravangian. They're going to start the interview here, and it it starts off okay. Yasna is is quite uh, quite thorough in her her demands for what she requests, uh, and then it it starts to go off the rails as uh, the. The talents that Shalon does have, her her artistic talent in particular, uh, does not impress Yasna at all. And when when we start digging into uh, history and philosophy, which are are topics that uh, Yasna seems to hold in high regard, Shalon does not do so well there. And uh, yeah, it uh, it it kind of starts to fall apart there. So not uh, not going so great anymore. Why did she ask about writing? Writing? Can you write? Yes, I can write really well. Well, so can children. Yasta's kind of just being mean here. She is. <laughs> like there was no correct answer to that apparently because uh, Shalan's response is like, "Yes, I can do that really well, and also I can do this extra thing that you didn't ask about. That's even higher above that." Yeah, well, <laughs> and and when when Shalon does make the point of, "I wrote you that letter, the one that made you convinced that I should come do this," Yasna like very very begrudgingly concedes, "Okay, that's a fair point. Why didn't you make it earlier?" Like, yeah, there's no winning here. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do really love that. Yeah, between that, the moment of like, oh well, I was persuasive enough for you to show up. Um, she does have um, one quip I do really love from Shalon is, "If ignorance galls you so much, can you pass up the opportunity to rid me of mine?" There's like little points where it seems like Shalon might be making progress, and it's like just enough hope that you think. Maybe Yasna's just has this tough exterior, but she is going to um, still let Shalon on. And, you know, 
it it doesn't feel completely hopeless, so it feels more like a, a punch in the gut when we find out Yasna is gonna reject her this chapter. God, a hundred percent with you there, because there is that glimmer of hope. Like, well, maybe. Nope. Hmm. Also, fuck people who like. Oh, history. Oh, have you heard of D- D'Artagnan and and Jeffers B and Horseback? <laughs> Just, what the hell? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you haven't read Horseback? (laughs) Historia, people getting hung up on Historia. By the way, I love this word. The study of the study of history, the meta, is called historiography. That is a good word. (laughs) Historiography. So, um, studying how people have studied whatever your topic is, is what she's asking here. And if you get so caught in the weeds that you're asking about historiography, it's like, Yasna, you just... I had a professor who did this to me once. Um, I was like, hey, so I have this project coming up, and I want to know what I should do. And she was like, oh, you should read some Johnson and some Weathersby and some... And I'm like, what? What? And she got mad at me for asking what she was talking about. <laughs> Titles. Well, ma'am, I've read I've read the Encyclopedia Britannica. It's not like the people who wrote that were actually there. That means nothing. <laughs> Have you read Britannica? Yeah, it's a, uh, it is it is quite the uh, quite the demand that that Yasna seems to be making here. And once we get through, uh, once we get through it, Shalon kind of snaps back and and. She says, you seem to want potential wards to be master scholars already. I may be able to find a pair of 80-year-old ardents in the city who might fit your requirements. Which, it's not a, like, it's not a great way to end an interview, but I think we understand and can sympathize why Shalon goes here. <laughs> There's a a bit of of family history where... Uh, Yasna is is saying, you know, your your mother should have made sure that you were educated better. And and Shalon says, well, my my mother passed away when I was very young. Uh, Yasna apparently knows this, knows at least a little bit about the Devar family history, and and Shalon is is briefly shocked by that because. The Devar family, like it's a name that's been around for a while, but uh, but she says they're not really that important. So the fact that uh, that Yasna, who is probably one of the most powerful women in the world, given her her connections and her position, actually like knows who the Devars are, is like both impressive and a little creepy. But uh, yeah, there's here's the the line that that we mentioned as being a a fair point from from Shalon of you know if if ignorance bothers you so much then help me get out of my ignorance, which uh, Yasna is once again dismissive of and says that uh, you're the you're the twelfth person I've rejected this year, so uh, yeah not uh, not going well. There's another line in this little section that is just darkly hilarious, where Yasna is like, "Well, maybe you should be at home with your father, like seeing to his estates." And Shalon says, 
my father has no need of me. End quotation. Well, that was true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I It's true, and I do like that little line, but also whenever her parents are mentioned throughout this entire conversation, Shalon always uses past tense. And it's like, you're, you're really making it easy to figure this out, Shalon. You, you, you need to be referring to your father in the present tense if you want to convince people he's alive. If you keep <laughs> saying, oh yeah, my father was really nice to me. It's like, that's not, it's not helping your case. We are going to have to pause the uh, interrogation slash interview for a second. Uh, as our our walk and talk has has come to a conclusion, and we see the uh, the task that uh, Yasna and the king here were uh, were discussing, which is uh, there's been a cave in. the uh, the The conclave here is basically carved out of the side of the mountain, and living underground has its dangers, including things like large cave-ins where your your hallway is suddenly blocked by a a boulder dislodging and there's a there's a room that's that's completely blocked off and uh apparently uh yasna is here to do something about this 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 does i'm glad that we get to see how soul casting works this scene does feel a little bit weird to me and it's there's a couple things that are clarified we can't just cut another way into the room because it might cause another cave-in um shallan assumes this is not the reason yasna is here it's just while she's here the king said hey could you help with this but like this is construction work and the king of the town was like hey very important visiting princess could you just go do that task for me it's <laughs> it just i don't know it feels off it is a, an unusual request though uh there is there is magic involved so we can we can kind of look to that I also do like, uh, as we're beginning the task at hand, there's there's one more moment of of interview, uh, which feels very job interview to me, where <laughs> Shalon suddenly gets a a little brain teaser thrown at her, of how how big do you think this boulder is, or or how would you figure out how big it is, uh, and Shalon comes up with the answer of. I, I think I'd just ask the king because he probably already had someone figure it out. <laughs> Which is, is, I mean, there isn't a right answer to that question, but it's an answer that Yasna actually likes. So, yeah, a, a point there. Miss Devar, how many jelly beans would you say are in this jar? Pretty much. <laughs> and 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 Shalon's answer is, can't, I'm going to go find the person who put them in the jar. Ask them. <laughs> it's a good life hack for you i would say that there are 42 jelly beans and because i am correct that i would say that i win check and mate i was i was expecting you to say checkmate atheists because that's one of the two people here (laughs) is famously an atheist but uh yeah the 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 solution to this uh this cave in here uh, is that Yasna is going to soul cast it, which we uh, we we get to see. We see what happens. We don't actually know what that did or like how that actually worked. We just see Yasna do it. Uh, but she has a a soul caster, which is a, a piece of jewelry that she's wearing on her hand, 
Uh, it has some some quite large gemstones that are set into it. And she puts her hand on this boulder and turns it into smoke. And there you go, cave-in solved. There's a, a brief moment where everybody has to deal with the fact that this enormous cloud of smoke now appeared in this hallway and they have very practical things like not breathing it in. But yeah, the uh, uh, rescue has been accomplished. There's a, uh, a a touching reunion there. One of the reasons why the king was was personally involved here was that uh, apparently his his granddaughter had been trapped on the other side of this this boulder. So he gets to to go meet back up with her, and that's a, a nice scene. Yasna sees that Shalon is still waiting around, and and says, "Oh, you you were waiting for me to to finish. Well, you're not going to like the answer." And and Shalon tries one more kind of uh, one more attempt and and says there's all of you know the the feminine arts of of drawing and, and the other artistic pursuits and all that uh, and Yasna says I don't care I'm not going to accept you and then off she goes so uh, Shalon is uh, is somewhat blocked on step one of this plan and is going to have to figure out where to go from there. Uh, but we do learn the uh, the step two that uh, Sam tried to to slip past us a little bit ago uh, is yeah step one apprentice herself to Yasna Kolin step two steal her soulcaster and we'll see where we go from there I I do really love this because I in this chapter I guessed oh I think now that she's been rejected she's gonna try and steal the soulcaster. I did not expect that to be plan A. I, I really yeah. thought that was going to be plan B. And the fact that Shalon had always been planning to do that was a nice twist to what I thought might happen. But uh, yeah, we will... Uh, Shalon has, has resolved that she's not going to, to give up just yet. Uh, but we will have to check back in in our next episode with how that goes. Uh, because we have uh, we have another map first. And then one more chapter. Uh, and that one's a doozy. So uh, <laughs> let's let's get ready for for bridge four. Before we get to uh, chapter six, we have our our most zoomed in map that we've seen thus far, uh, of uh, just one actual part of the the camps, and so we get to see kind of the 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 layout of the camp here and the the kind of small town that they've they've built essentially. I have a very hot take. Is it that you like that there's a map here? No, it's a particularly hot take for me. I think this map's kind of boring. <gasps> oh, that's a hot take. It's just kind of, <laughs> it's just kind of there. The, the most interesting part is that it was apparently scratched on the back of a palm-sized Kremlin shell. Yeah. That's a very... That's some detailed etching, I stay looking at the size of my own palm. Yeah, I wouldn't say it was scratched. This this is very very detailed in <laughs> in terms of how this map likely came to be. Well, the 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 text was added after the fact, so yeah, the uh, the text was not there on the the scratching. I do one thing I do appreciate is like um, a lot of them are directions to the breaking northern wall, stormward bridge storage. Um, you have labels like shanties and slaves, and then occasionally it'll just be. A sinkhole. A market. <laughs>
Yep. <laughs> I don't fucking know, man. A That's storm one break. One storm creek. Yeah. Oh, yes, a creek. I know a thing or two about storm creeks, as I have been continuously battling with the county stormwater department to get them to approve maps so that we can redo stuff around here. It sucks. <laughs> There's a spot in our yard that is an inch and a half too low. My word. So while I'm dealing with that problem, let's see how Kaladin's doing. <laughs> I bet your problems are worse than his. <laughs> but before we get to that, we have more child death. <laughs> yeah, there's Mama. a six-year-old here who died. It sucks. I don't know what to say beyond that. Bad. Yeah. It's, it's bad. She wants to know, why can she still hear the rain? coming down on a sunny day that's right (laughs) i die now Uh... (laughs) i don't think that's how that song goes (laughs) oh my god hamlet i just got bit by a fucking vampire (laughs) it's a very different play just i'm just waiting for a because these are all like pre-death right Mm -hmm. um and (laughs) That's a from a white as kids you know sketch about uh, the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I just want, I just want one of the quotes to be, uh, "Save yourself, Hamlet." Shit. <laughs> Fifteen seconds before death. All right. Well, we have arrived at uh, the war camps at the the shattered plains. Uh, it starts with Tavlakov just kind of opening all the doors. Because uh, they've got an entire like wilderness on one side and several giant armies on the other side, so they're not going to do anything. And it's uh, it's time for a uh, a slave market. Hooray! <laughs> yeah, great. This is a this is a great place. I'm always a fan of a sense description, uh, unless it's like a latrine or something. But like, um. Oh, this place smelled good, brimming with familiar scents like treated leather and oiled weapons. Like, uh, I can... I like that. Yeah. Good good visceral description. And there's also the level of the fact that Kaladin thinks that these are good smells in particular. Like, if you ask someone to to name some things that they think smell good, you'll get a, a variety of responses. And the fact that Kaladin includes, you know, leather and and um oil for weapons among those is is very telling Lumalnati's pizza and garrett's popcorn baby some uh some good smells yeah also the the correct choice for for deep dish correct but yeah the uh the the slave caravan has arrived and it's it's time for some business every alethi royal person is a total piece of shit i just i can't i can't with these people i can see what i am purchasing slaver yeah it's not uh, not great myself ugh you're gross lady think about how you're sick (laughs) i'm not sick (laughs) <laughs> if if I were Tavlakov, I'd, I'd reply with like, "All right, fine, but just just know that you're gross. <laughs> just, just be aware that you're a gross person." 
Yeah, it is funny that like she she calls him slaver and it feels like there's an edge of like you disgust me and it would be very funny if Tlaka was like whatever you say slave buyer right yeah <laughs> you're the one buying them yeah i mean kaladin has has interacted with her for all of you know 30 seconds when he wants to spit in her face but he's uh he he has this is the end of the hope spot here. We're still in the the hope spot where he he's gonna try to you know work his way back into the army or or something like that. But there's a there's a negotiation over Calden's circumstance here uh, because and this is deeply weird to talk about when we're buying and selling people. Uh, he's the the best of the goods here. We have a uh, uh, Kaladin attempting to. Uh, to to spin his his story here of how he ended up as a slave uh, tries to to say that it was you know got drunk got angry made some mistakes killed someone and uh is is going to try to say that you know that's all behind him and, and he can he can get back into the army and they definitely won't take him if if he's a deserter and then tavlakov comes back with well he's a deserter don't listen to him so yeah, you know, kind of liked Tavlakov, but also did definitely piss him off and uh, is going to face the consequences here. There's a nice little detail in here where um, the windspread that's been falling Kaladin around, you know, this is all from his perspective and he does refer to it as his windspread. That's, I think that is really cute. Mm-hmm. Just the quote of like, bitterness is repaid more often than kindness. It's so surprising to me that that's not just a thing people say. I feel like I've heard it in a dozen different ways over the course of my life. But yeah, here this is very specifically something that Kaladin remembers his father saying. Yeah. But uh, the, the the deal is, is made here. Uh, and uh, two of them here, including Kaladin, are to be bridgemen. Which we don't yet know what that means but uh we're gonna learn quite quickly and and uh kaladin in particular is going to be given special treatment uh which we also don't know what that means yet but we can presume it's not a good thing my goodness bridgman yeah let's uh Mm. let's meet the the couple of people that we need to and then we'll we'll get to a bridge run uh and i guess it's just one person we need to meet uh which is gaz who is in charge here uh, and multiple other Sanderson reading uh, podcasts or YouTube videos or whatnot have pointed out that uh, in in the UK and Australia, Gaz is just a nickname for Gary or Gareth. So this is <laughs> this is you know Kaladin and Tavlakov and Hishal and Jerry or something <laughs> like that. We also get a key detail about Kaladin we learned, which is that apparently he's from Hearthstone, which explains why he's so sad and pathetic. It all makes sense now. Yeah, we're uh, <laughs> when when you mentioned Hearthstone and all those card games, uh, Beth and I are saying, well, we we do actually know a thing or two about Hearthstone, so we'll see if we actually learn more than it just being Cal's hometown. And Kaladin's first words to Gaz are, "Mind if I roll need?" It's a Hearthstone reference. <laughs> I bought, oh, thank you. I wanted to come with you on that ride, but I, I didn't know. I didn't get it. Okay. 
Kaladin's first interaction with uh, with Gaz does not actually go particularly well. No. As uh, kind of one last time here, he's he's trying to to sell himself to say, "Hey, I can I can fight. I could I can join the army." Uh, and Gaz says, "I don't care. Go over there and and get ready to to run a bridge." Not only does his first interaction with Gaz not go well, every interaction with Gaz does not go yep. well. But he's so straightforward. I love it. Like, Gaz is just like, yeah, you're fucked. I don't know. What do you want me to do about it? Yeah. <laughs> We're all kind of fucked, aren't we? Like, oh, you're going to get the shitty job of lugging the bridge? You know, the the job where you just have to lug the bridge like everybody else, but in a different spot? Like, is it really that much worse? Yeah, we'll, we'll I don't see. Know. We'll see how uh, how running bridges is. Uh, there is a, a moment here that reminded me of a thing that I just find funny, uh, which is Gaz only has one eye. One has uh, has been uh, lost to an injury, and when uh, when the windspren is is flies up around here and comes takes a look, uh, she closes one eye while she's looking at Gaz like, "Huh, what's that like?" Kind of, some kind of a thing. <laughs> And Kaladin sees this and smiles, which pisses Gaz off because you know why is this why is this guy smiling at me? Uh, one time when I was at work, I was I was in a meeting with my team and and our manager, uh, and our manager was talking about something that he loved to talk about over and over again that I didn't think was very important at all, uh, and so as he started on this this whole spiel. I, I I was sitting kind of behind my manager and I very visibly rolled my eyes and one of my other teammates saw me and and tried to like stifle a laugh and my manager heard that and got pissed at him. So, whoops. <laughs> but then like two months later, he got fired. My manager did, so. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> yeah, no. No, not the other guy, yeah. This is why me and some of my more expressive co-workers sometimes miss the days of covid and required masks at work because it's good for hiding your expression when your director is talking about some bullshit <laughs> oh my god i i developed like a, a resting scowl in the, in the <laughs> days of mask wearing because i could just be like you motherfucker <laughs> all day long yeah but uh yeah there's about like a minute to get things settled in here when it's time for our first bridge run and uh gaz is trying to uh trying to get them trying to get them ready uh puts kaladin into bridge four bridge four has no bridge leader their their bridge leader uh quote tossed himself down the down the honor chasm last night so that's uh that's not great and uh gaz says all right, we'll 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 get you a new bridge leader when we figure out who survives. Let's go, uh, which is also not great. <laughs> Why do these bridge leaders keep killing themselves? As we go, oh. put them through the worst thing in existence. The worst thing <laughs> to have ever been devised by anybody in every sense. So yeah, it's time for a bridge run, and uh, that's going to be uh, a good portion of this chapter. They they have this bridge, and at some point we're going to get a picture of one. It's going to be one of the little inter, inter chapter drawings, um, 
this is something that I feel like often causes confusion as to what the actual geometry is here. But they have this bridge and it can be carried by people both underneath it and to the sides of it. And step one is just pick the bridge up and, and start running with it. This whole sequence felt very Dunkirk to me of just, hey, war sucks. Bad. Yeah. yeah. Not good. And you're not going to have a good time. <laughs> and and all, all we get to see is one random person in one awful situation in the midst of this whole entire thing. Yeah. Um, it felt very much like I, I, I was picturing this the cinematics of it. And I feel like this could very, you know, like when they make movie trailers, the second one will tell you about the plot and a little bit about the characters. But a lot of times the first teaser trailer is just like, here's pretty much a whole scene out of context. And the point of it is just to make you go, oh, what is that? I'm interested in finding out more about that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this scene of Kaladin starting to run with the bridge and the camera slowly zooms out to look at how, like just the massive reach of the Shattered Plains um, would make for a really good teaser trailer in terms of, oh, that looks fucked up and I'm interested. <laughs> I can see it. So yeah, let's uh, let's go on a bridge run. Uh, step one is is get the bridge, uh, run with it. They they cross a couple of of permanent bridges because we are we're on the shattered plains and there's just chasms like it, it's entirely plateaus and chasms. You you can't go very far before you have to you have to cross uh, another gorge, and uh, eventually they get to a place where there are no more permanent bridges. And so this is this is what the bridge is for. They they put it down, they shove it into place across the the chasm. Uh, they let the the army cross, who has just been marching to to get to them this whole time, and then uh, they having accomplished this task, uh, Kaladin is you know ready to be done, and then it's time to pick up the bridge and keep going. It's time to cross over yourselves, drag it across the chasm, pick it back up, and run to the next one. It's bad. It's, it's a bad. bad time. It's not fun. It's bad. Why? And we've we've yet to get to the worst part. Right. <laughs> let's uh yeah, let's let's skip to the worst part. Uh where you do the same thing where you you run the bridge up to the the edge of a chasm and push it into place so so other people can cross except now you do it as the battle is about to start with the opposing army on the other side of the chasm attempting to shoot you you specifically if i could pause for for one specific thing along the way one line i really truly loved was um kaladin starting to grow delirious and the line of um, they had to hold up the sky and run. Because I feel like a lot of authors and writers will be like, oh, this character's delirious. He's going to start like saying and muttering things that don't make any sense. But I feel like it's way more realistic f to say something like this, which is like really close to coherent, but it's just not quite there. It felt very realistic for Kaladin to have that thought, even though it's not, it's not what's happening. He is growing delirious, mm -hmm. but... It's so close to being like his brain is losing it, but still like focused on the task. Right after that, you have a, another moment that I I really like the the prose of, and I think is is very telling, uh, where you you hear uh, 
Gaz giving the kind of cadence of putting the the bridge into place, uh, where you you have stop, lift, drop, push, and then Calden adding die to the end because that's <laughs> that's his next step. I don't know. I I interpreted more as he's directing that at Gaz of just like go drop dead, but it's equally if not more possible it's directed at himself and uh it's bad yeah but it's cool we we don't want to cross a like a lightweight like or or like multiple narrower bridges we want to cross grand bridges in our you know horses or whatever so (laughs) they do have horses we saw those carry this heavy ass fucking bridge uh, all the way i don't care I just want to be cool, baby. <laughs> Welcome to Roshar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because yeah, the uh, the the final part of the bridge run happens. They they charge at the Parshendi army, who are already there, have have bows and arrows, and are taking the the very clear tactic of. If we shoot the bridgemen who are running at high speed carrying these these bridges, then they will collapse and the bridges won't get set and we won't get attacked. And also, if you do that very efficiently, the momentum of the super heavy bridge will crush every single bridgeman under that bridge, which is... Ah, uh, was, that was like made me wince to read when that happens yeah. to one of the other bridges. That was real rough. Mm. trampling is kind of horrifying and way too many people in the modern day die of trampling why 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 are you two so obsessed with trampling all of a sudden i was with beth the other day and unprompted she just starts talking about people getting trampled we were watching a soccer game and i was thinking about the hillsborough disaster it was a very clear a to b but no hang on no no it was a clear A to B of you bringing it up, but it was not, hey, have you heard about the Hillsborough disaster? Is hey, I've been thinking a lot over the past two or three days about the Hillsborough disaster, and that was not prompted by soccer. That was just you. I do not control what my brain chooses to think about. It just does it, and I'm here for the ride. But, uh, yeah, we... Kaladin does not die in this particular bridge run. A whole bunch of people do. It's it's pretty awful. And uh but he 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 makes it to the end of the bridge run and then just passes out. We also skipped over it slightly, but there was a, there were a couple of pages where I really thought the leathery-faced man was going to be like a a Galadon of sorts of like, "Hey man, we're in hell. Let me show you around." Um and then yeah, that guy just fucking bites it two nope. pages later. Yep. Yep, um, gone. I do have I do have a problem here, Brandon, which is that the leathery faced man's voice was coming from Kaladin's left. And then on page one hundred eight, the leathery faced friend dies, and then the man to Kaladin's left fell as well, heavily implying that the leathery faced friend was on the right. What's well, going on with that, Brandon? You see, Caleb. They switched positions. Yes, on page one oh six, when they get to the final run, they all swap positions. I thought that was they moved from the back to the front. I didn't think they switched left to right, did they? I think I I can I can assume that they all just kind of generally shuffle around. 
Okay. But mostly, the, yeah, they they do flip back to front. Okay, I was I was I, I did I did not miss the fact that they switched positions. I was just still under the impression that the rows stayed mm-hmm. the same. But I I guess I can let that slide. But yeah, this uh, I I believe on Sam's request for things that don't happen uh, was that he was hoping that Kaladin is not some sort of chosen one who ends up training under some sort of wise mentor. Uh, the leathery faced man, not going to be it. No, <laughs> he's not going to be nothing. He's dead and Kaladin took his stuff. Yeah, that's what you got to do. Thanks for the stuff, old man. Gosh, have I have I told you about my my planned paladin run of Skyrim, uh, in which you don't loot corpses because that's a really fucked up thing to do. It kind of is. Think about it. <laughs> it really kind of is. Like that that was just a person like ten seconds ago. Like I know it's a bandit, it's a bad guy, but it's weird that you're taking his clothes. <laughs> You expect me to look at you like you're a normal fucking person when you just stripped this man naked after killing him in front of me? Like... But, uh, yeah, the uh, the the last bit of this chapter, we do have a little bit after the, the battle itself. Uh, it, uh, it starts with uh, Kellen's windsprint here, uh, managing to, to wake him up from his, his unconsciousness. Uh, and, and he realizes that uh, all of the people who are kind of passed out on the ground, they're being checked to see if they're alive. Because if they're not alive, you can take their stuff. You can you can take their their jacket and their shoes. And because Calden never had any, they probably weren't even going to check. They were just going to leave him there. But uh, I'm going to skip to the end of. I'm going to bring a detail up from the end of this page and start calling her Sill because I've been avoiding saying that name. But yeah, this is this is Silfrena or Sill. Uh, who has a name and this exchange just always I always like this I, I don't know exactly why but uh, Kaladin finally getting back up and actually starting to to converse with this this windsprint a bit and he says do you have a name uh, and and she goes I do have a name why do I have a name I, I love that interaction like I don't know why you have a name what kind of a question is that Pick up the phone. <laughs> a million dollars. But uh, yeah, she does have a name. It's Silfrena. Uh, she also realizes she has a nickname too. Cal says, congratulations. Good for you. And uh, Kaladin has has done the weird but necessary thing. He's, he's taken someone else's sandals and vest because they didn't make it. Uh, and then one final thing for the end of the chapter, Gaz says, hey, pick up the bridge. We got to go home. And uh, Kaladin realizes that Gaz is kind of pissed that that he didn't die because that's why he didn't have any any gear because Gaz just expected him to die. And uh, we, we get the uh, the very tiniest bit of good news, uh, which is that on the way home, they'll be able to go slow. And maybe they'll get some soldiers to to bolster the the numbers so they can actually carry it. Uh, but uh, here we go at the end of the chapter. There had been something even worse that the world could do to 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 Kaladin. One final torment, and it was called Bridge Four.
I will say. Specifically, one final torment the world had reserved just for Kaladin. Kaladin, I know you've been through a lot. You're very much not the only person this is reserved for. There are yeah. hundreds of people going through the same hell as you right now. And all of them are going to be out of work as soon as the Alethi discover the M6, the armored vehicle launched bridge. That would be quite a, a, a thing that would change the uh, the tides of this this battle, I think. Why haven't they invented that yet? Are they stupid? <laughs> yeah, Jesus, come on. No, they discovered it. <laughs> like a like a new element. <laughs> Just spontaneously occurring in nature, the M60 armored vehicle launched bridge. No, they achieve it through fission. <laughs> it's kind of like um in uh in Civ, it's like, "Oh, let's get fertilizer for for good crops." No, for the fucking artillery, baby. <laughs> You can get some kind of wildly separate uh, tech tree things if you try to. But uh, yeah, there we go. We've we've had... Uh, chapter 6 was actually our... It was our longest chapter of part 1. Uh, there are a couple of chapters that are longer that we'll get to, but uh, that was kind of the, the big chunk of things here. We've, we've, had, uh, we've had Kaladin find his apparently his place now in bridge four uh we've had shallan we've met shallan first of all in this episode and we've figured out what her goal is if not all the details of how that's supposed to work uh, and we're going to have one more episode to to finish up part one as, as our next week before you know it we'll be done with this book flying through it <laughs> absolutely <laughs> I mean, you know, it it could be the uh actually I I, w- I was going to joke on how it it could be the Elantris thing where the final part is just one episode. Uh the final part is just one episode. <laughs> and it's one of the shorter episodes in terms yeah. of reading length. Yeah. Let me tell you, Stormlight books are a lot harder to divide up because <laughs> I try very hard to also hit the part breaks on our our uh, episode breaks and so there's a there's a lot of constraints here but we got there we've uh we've finished two-thirds of our our first part of the book and uh we met a uh, a group of new characters that we can we can talk about we can talk about our uh our group of new characters and who we might have portray them on screen and then we can see we're still not into like the meat of the plot where we can start to actually try to predict where things are going but we did get a, a bit more that we can we can start to to look at when we want to predict we're only 100 pages in no need to know what this book's about <laughs> so yeah uh we can start with our our casting uh, sam do you want to you want to take a look at our our list here yeah i spent uh easily four times longer on casting than I did on predictions. So, yeah. This will be mostly the Caleb game and the predictions I'm betting. Um, uh, I don't have a ton, but yeah, we'll see. We're still starting. We're just at the top of the drum roll. Barely have started, so I don't have a ton. Um, but uh, for casting, I did cast all the names that you gave. Okay. Uh, Bluth, who I didn't cast last time, 
But now we know he has a flat face, and he's a big guy. So I went with Rob Riggle, because fuck it. <laughs> All right. Rob Riggle. He was in the Marines, I think. Uh, he was in a branch of the armed services. That sounds uh, right. Yeah. Uh, Shalan. Shalan. I'm going to go with Hannah Hoekstra. Hannah Hoekstra. Uh, I know exactly how to spell that name, and I also don't know how to pronounce it. Yeah. <laughs> Just um, from you saying a, that. She's the likeness of the protagonist of Horizon Zero Dawn. That's where I know it. So that's, that's oh. what I pictured here. Um, Tazbek. Here's a strong one for me for in terms of association. Uh John Rice Davies. AK okay. Gimli. He's uh he's mine for that. Uh Yalb. Oh, we got so much physical description of Yalb. So I don't know. <laughs> I have no Yalb yet. Uh got a lot of personality, but uh I yeah. is he not described as lanky or is that just how I pictured him? I feel like we heard he was lanky. We might know that, but we didn't go into the same details we did for Yasna. That's true. Yeah, the the aforementioned like page and a half. Yeah. Who uh I'm picking Courtney Cox for Yasna. Um if you've watched any of the Scream movies, uh you'll agree she has the the same attitude as Yasna in her role. She plays the reporter, the nosy, you know, know-it-all reporter lady okay but i guess younger um <laughs> courtney cox circa scream one <laughs> um taravangian i went with chavo odagian in old age makeup because his name reminded me of the name fair enough <laughs> so that'd be the basis for system of a down uh gaz uh 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 this one's a split for me i have one of two depending on budget level um if we're going uh high budget then uh ron perlman because i think that'd be fun he's got the right attitude and he's got the grizzled look so uh ron perlman for high budget and if it's not high budget then abraham ben ruby uh, who played a bunch of people. Uh, he was on ER way back in the day. Yes! I was like, I know that name. How do I know it? <laughs> yeah. I got him mixed up with... um. Ah, shit. Uh... <laughs> Justin and I were... I was gabbing about it to Justin uh, last night. Uh, Ethan Supley. I, get... I got him mixed up with him. By the way, if you haven't seen Ethan Supley in a while, holy shit! Like he's, yeah, he's he's in the quarry, star of the quarry. He is oh. fucking jacked now. Who is this guy? Good, good for him. Oh, Jesus Christ. Well done, Ethan Supley. But you're not the guy I'm casting. It's Abraham Benruby. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Who is Jerry at ER? I love Jerry. Yeah. Mom and I watched a lot of ER during the pandemic. <laughs> I have a strange relationship with that show. <laughs> oh my god. ER is a very good show, by the way, if you haven't seen it, it is. folks at home. It's a good show. 
it's a surprising. I thought it would be like a '90s generic. Maybe it's maybe I'm biased because it's set in Chicago, but I like it. It's a good show. <laughs> it feels like it. It feels like like a you know local sitcom that has just kept going because it's so like really cheap to make but no it just like went for 15 seasons and was a like big produced show with a lot of big stars on it George solid solid George, George Clooney hell yeah um oh and there's one more name that I didn't cast from last time that is a little flimsy uh but still uh I'm gonna go with Nicole Kidman circa the AMC ads. God damn it! God damn it, Sam. Kaladin heartbreak feels good in a place like this. No, it doesn't. I'm dying. <laughs> Kaladin actively running bridge four. Why did you go to the fucking movies and heels? <laughs> Who are you? I saw Barbenheimer in heels. Well, yeah, but that's because. We if you go to the movies in some in something other than sweatpants and a sweatshirt, <laughs> then you're doing the movies wrong. <laughs> you're a monster. We dressed up for Barbenheimer because we were doing a bit, not because we were like, this is good movie-watching clothing. <laughs> it was extremely uncomfortable movie-watching clothing. <laughs> right, you, you either go in, in sweatpants and a hoodie, or you're doing a bit. <laughs> Come dressed in full Thor regalia. There's an ad that uh, all of my theaters are owned by a local chain, like all over this mm-hmm. area of uh, Michigan. And they have like this thing of join our team, you know, the join our team ads that are in everything um, where they interview like actual employees. And one of the employees uh, talks about his experiences. And he was like, I once saw someone dressed in full Thor regalia. Like, <laughs> just said so weirdly and that's just one of those phrases that all you can associate now with with wearing a costume to the movies is the full phrase full thor regalia full thor regalia <laughs> band name uh it's a album yes. name maybe I, okay yeah yeah yeah, album yeah. Name, i would say that's true. because that also gives you the cover art for the album of course <laughs> it's just a picture of the guy from Lost, but now he's in full Thor regalia. <laughs> or it's every member of the band dressed in full yep. Thor regalia. Yep. Of varying levels of budget and or authenticity. In descending order. <laughs> Lead singer cheapest. I'm just Perfect. picturing a Weezer album cover where it's just the four of them evenly spaced with the same flat expressions, but inexplicably, inexplicably, they're in full Thor regalia. Did I... I just saw a meme about them being evenly spaced on the album cover that I'm wondering if this was the same thing that filtered to your part of the internet or if that was unrelated. Because... Was gun? Yes. I've, yeah, the gun's good. The gun's good. <laughs> I will say... Over the past year or so, any content related to Weezer Beth has been exposed to is likely because of me. <laughs> to be clear, I think Weezer is a decent band, but I'm not a huge fan. Caleb has just decided to torment me. <laughs> There's a lot Send of good memes <laughs> that just unexpectedly put in the riff from Buddy Holly, and it's hilarious every time, and Beth loves it. 
Uh-huh. All right. Um, while you've been busy tormenting Beth with uh, one particular snippet of a song, uh, have you also <laughs> cast these eight people, seven people, however many there were here? Yeah. Um, yeah, I've, I've got a couple. Um, the first one is actually going to be a recast because um, it's a character I've thought a lot about. And the character I'm going to recast is... Um, all right. Let's bath out for the rest of the episode, I think. Um, so, yeah. Um, I have actually, I have several recasts. Um, I've thought, I don't know if Kristen Shaw is going to be best for Silfrena, and I have a couple of options I'm kind of deciding between. Um, uh, and I haven't, I haven't decided on one yet so we'll get back to our next episode but probably a recast for Silfrena. um the other thing is that um after um justin gave us a little bit more info on what the characters are supposed to look like i want to mm-hmm. make sure i'm skewing towards casting mostly um uh asian actors where i can not like a hard fast rule like an emperor's soul i tried to make sure pretty right. much everyone is um but i want kind of defaults trying to trying to cast that direction I still really like Alex Wolf, so I think I'm keeping him as Kaladin. Um, but because of that, I want to make sure that I am I'm diversifying the rest of the cast. And it feels like the Colin family is going to be real important. So I went back and recast Gavilar Colin as Zima, um, who has been in a good amount of movies. I think the most recent and high profile one was the the live action Mulan. Um, I think he was in um, Arrival. He's been around the block a little bit. Um, and that's also a setup for me trying to, to brainstorm who Dalinar might be. And I have an idea of that, but we haven't really gotten to see him at all. So I'm not announcing that yet. Um, so that's it for my recasts for now. Um, in terms of these new characters, as Shallan, I have Kelly Marie Tran, um, famously in, in Star Wars Last Jedi. Not really in Rise of Skywalker because J.J. Abrams didn't know what to do with her but that's not her fault <laughs> um, I think she has the, the right energy for this um, as Captain Tosbeck I have Kevin Pollack who I mostly know from Usual Suspects but he's been in lots of different things um, as Yalb you know I'm always pulling for my fellow Calebs um, we're putting in Caleb Landry Jones uh, from X-Men First Class and among other things um, as Yasna Colin I have Maggie Q um, who I mostly know from Designated Survivor, which was not a very good show. I'm sure she's been in a lot of other stuff that's a lot better, but that's where I know her from. Um, as King Teravangian, I have Randall Duck Kim, who I mostly know as the voice of Master Ugwe from Kung Fu Panda. He's also been in more stuff than that, but that's what I, where I know him from. Um, I did go off book, Justin, as usual. I'm adding on characters I don't need to. I have a Hashal. Um, who's going to be Debbie Fan from Joyride, among a couple of other things. And then as Gaz, I have um, Craig Fairbrass, known for voicing Gaz in Call of Duty. Um, <laughs> he has a very authoritative, very cool-sounding, scratchy voice. I do think he would legitimately do a very good job as this character. But also, I just thought it would be fun if I make one make Gaz play Gaz, Gaz again. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But that's, yeah, that's who I've got there. Before we go into theories, could we have a? I'm gonna. I, I want to have a chat with Sam in terms of update on how we're feeling about certain things in the book, not related to theories. Uh, before we oh. do that, 
Uh, one, I'm going to check. Beth, you have had the the column header for your spot on the cast list highlighted for like 20 minutes now. Do you have someone to add for for the rarely populated Beth casting or no? No, I just clicked to that part of the spreadsheet. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> uh, we're going to have the even more rare Justin casting, Ooh. Uh, which is not even really a casting. This is... I am firmly in in Sam's camp here on this is a pure vibes cast uh, because it's not even a person. It's a, a sprite from a 16-bit game. Uh, <laughs> I always picture Teravangian as uh, King Guardia from Chrono Trigger who has this oh, like... hell yeah. He's got like this giant robe and because like it's a it's a teeny tiny sprite and so he's got this big robe and like crown and it makes it look like he's super hunched over and like is is walking around with this like he's like more robe than than king uh, and that's that's what i picture teravangian as of like he's more robe than man now exactly <laughs> so yeah that that's the the extra rare justin casting there Okay, yeah. So yeah, before we we check in on predictions, what's the? Uh, I know the last time we had one of these, Caleb and Sam try to figure things out. It ended up being super interesting. So I'm I'm curious what your your question of the day here is. Oh, this isn't figuring things out. I think it's it's going to be part one of me and Sam commiserating over something, and then part two is me and Sam fight over something. Oh no. Okay. The first one. The first one is just. Now we've got Lux Spren, and we've got fucking anticip- Anticipation Spren. What's what's going on with these things? What is this? Don't forget Life Spren. Life Spren, of course. How could I forget? It's, it's just... I, I anything like, Spren. All the Spren. I feel like it's almost... It, and if it ends up being this way, when we, if they make a movie out of it, it might end up cool. But it almost feels like an excuse to just give in-universe anime visuals to a lot of stuff happening. Like, I'm picturing menacing spren in JoJo that pop up when something's menacing, and it's just the go-go-go-go-go effect that always goes in those scenes. It, it, I don't know. It just... Yeah, I don't I don't know what's going on with them. And yeah, I think... I think just, I'd say you, you agree that, yeah, it's just kind of anything can have a spren. It doesn't seem like there's any really rhyme or reason. I don't, I don't like the spren at this, at this present moment. There's music spren, there's life spren, anticipation spren. Like, there's got to be a point for me to really buy into him, and there isn't one right now. We might get one, but yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah. Um, and then also just in terms of wildlife of the world, I've just been taking notes, um, crabs like things that are just called crabs no special fantasy name just just normal crabs they exist hogs exist but then there's also kremlings which from what we can tell krem and kremlings are also just basically crabs but they seem to be about the same size as normal crabs so i I, i'm interested to see if we get to figure out more about what what what's going on with that kremlings are like bug crabs they're like halfway between bug and crab there's more bug than crab of him now. <laughs> oh no. Okay. And now it might get and now it might get spicy. Sam, you you pointed out in Discord that you're particularly baffled about this reading and from what I can tell it was mostly about the bridges. What Fucking what's, bridges. what's what's your problem with the bridges? 
Hey guys, welcome back to Bridge Talk, our hit podcast. <laughs> We're gonna talk about bridge. Uh, <laughs> the thing about the bridges is, it seems like it. There's, it's just, it. You know, to quote every infomercial, there's got to be a better way. <laughs> like, I understand that there's these deep chasms. You got to cross them. You can't just like fill them in or anything like that. But when you have to have a bridge carried by people who are like two at least two abreast possibly three abreast like you could just carry it would be faster if you had smaller bridges and more of them wider range of targets it's it's just so impractical it drives me nuts Oh, good. I mean, I I assume they're working on limited resources, and I don't know. I guess I I feel like yeah, with horses, it's probably good to have. I think they mentioned the bridge is only like big enough for three people to walk across at the same time, and I I think that's probably also you'd only want one horse to walk across on a time, and I wouldn't want a horse to have to like tightrope walk. I don't know. It seems. You know, it's hellish. You're probably right. There's a better way to do this, but I I couldn't really think of one. Um, and yeah, I, I I don't know. I thought it was really you know, it's not cool. It sucks. Kaladin <laughs> is in hell. Um, but world building wise, it kind of checked out to me. It, it didn't bother me too much. I think it's also a part of like, maybe it is additional world building. Uh, with this as a factor but it seems to be made with almost no attention being paid to the comfort of the person who has to carry it in no, terms of true. weight distribution in terms of visibility uh comfort <laughs> i mean they have like shoulder things that are not padded and they have handholds that they can push and pull but you could take out like every other board and then it would be half as heavy and you could just like the people crossing could just watch where they step <laughs> i don't know it just seems very bulky and awkward and weird <laughs> in a book uh... and also i just like throwing hands yeah that's fair yeah, yeah. always here for that <laughs> i'm here to say brandon <laughs> that is fun i don't want to like jump to the book's defense because i don't think it i don't think that's your point i don't think it needs it um so but i i do want to say that some at some point in universe somebody is going to raise concerns of what is the strategy here and and why are we doing this so i think you are reasonable to ask these questions Excuse me, boss. Why the fuck are we doing this? <laughs> Excuse me. I just love bridges. What? I just want to use the bridges. It's so cool, a bridge. And I think my questions will be definitely at least more answered um, once I see a picture of the bridge. Yeah, I like the 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 illustrations between chapters. I don't like some of them. I think could be could be spoilers depending on what they draw. Like I I do want to see if I can just find where that is and just send it to y'all because i think it does clarify at least some 
I cheated a little by looking at the table of contents, but nothing is clearly labeled as um, drawing of bridge. All right, that was all I had. I just wanted to just check in about a couple topics. Yeah, I just I, there's got to be a better way, man. I don't know. Maybe that's Calvin's magic arc. World. Is he is in the first chunk of the the infomercial, and he will come up with the way. He will discover the M60 bridge stairmaster or whatever it's called. <laughs> um I I realized why I couldn't find this image and then I also remembered another funny thing. Uh this illustration is actually from the 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 10th anniversary leatherbounds and is not in the original. Um but I am going to to send it to y'all. There we go. There is a bridge crew with their bridge. Uh the Funny thing that I remembered, this actually, this came up in the spoiler channel with Beth and I for an unrelated reason. When I was looking through other uh, Q&A sessions with Brandon, uh, I found, I was looking at other questions and yeah, somebody asked him, you know, what does it, what does it look like when they're setting a bridge? And the, the transcription of the the Q&A, Brandon says, I may have to act this one out. And then the transcript says, proceeds to act it out, no video available. <laughs> My goodness. All right. So just looking at the drawing here, the image, um, it it's pretty narrow. Like, okay, fine. I also didn't picture that the archers were that close. I thought it was a I, little I bit also, back. Yeah, I also pictured them being further away. Yeah. Um, In fact, everything here is a little bit smaller scale than I was actually picturing. Poor Kaladin, man. Bad. Yeah. He's having a bad time. All right. Uh, do we think he's going to have a better time? Like, I I, I hope so. And for everyone's sake. But uh, where, where do we think? Have we hit rock bottom here? Are we going to get Kaladin having some forward progress in his life in our next segment? Or what else is going to happen? What uh, I know, Sam, you said you didn't. You didn't actually. I think both of you said you didn't have a lot of predictions this time around. But uh, what was what was on the mind? Uh, first question. Last time I thought Kaladin was not the surgeon. I'm starting to think he is the surgeon because he keeps talking medical stuff. Okay. Um, although he he never quite seemed to care about healing. I don't know. I don't think he's a prince, and I feel like he's got to be one of the four because he's an important—he's an important boy. Uh, anyway, I mean that's—it doesn't really matter, uh, in the end, because the back of the book is written for distributors and people who are glancing at the back of the book. So, <laughs> there you go. Um, apart from that, uh, Jesus Christ, I want Kaladin to fight on the Parshendi side or something. I just, I want him to kill these bitches. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm so, I, I feel like if he just threw himself on the mercy of the Bershendi and was like, hey, look at what these fuckers did to me. They'd be like, oh, yeah, bet. Let's go kill them. Could, I, the only the only risk is that'd be kind of like Dune-ish. Be a little Dune in terms of its execution of like, well, maybe not really. Dune is is more of a colonization thing, and this is more of a whatever. Point is, like, the switching sides kind of deal. 
it is a little right. dune. Um, but uh, I don't want to. I, I don't want to morally gray everyone is bad, because these guys are fucking assholes. Alethi are just the worst. I swear to God. Uh, anyway, uh, and then I have two questions. One question, uh, which is a hype, uh, a rhetorical question, but a question that I have. Uh, what's the deal with the high storm damage to the conclave? Did it just happen? Has it been happening? To quote Little Inferno, that can't last forever. What a good game. Go play Little Inferno. Go play it. I still have to play the new weird DLC that they put out 10 years after it was released for some reason. Um, called Ho Ho Holiday, which, uh, which I'm going to try out. But Little Inferno is a great little game. Um, I think that this book has a larger plot of the storms a coming. Um, because there's got to be a larger plot here, uh, <laughs> and I'm just trying to find it. Uh, I think our liar is going to be a huge problem related to this, um, because I feel like Yasna's soulcaster just as an ironic twist at the very end is what would save the day had liar McLiar pants old uh. Shalan, uh, not yoinked it off her at some point on page 437. Um, I'm putting that page number down to see yeah, what write happens that down. on write it. That yep. down. Go ahead. Checking it now. I'm going to write that in my notes as well. Page 437 there. That's actually where Penrod shows up for some reason. I don't know why he's here. Um, but that is really it it's a little little pathetic but at the same time we're still just establishing we're establishing how shitty this world is and how bad a time kaladin's having and eventually we will have goals visions dreams kaladin dreams of killing everyone who's wronged him that is an increasingly long list it seems yeah all right uh, yeah, I've I've got the full spread of columns on the spreadsheet today. We had a a would be interesting. Uh, we had some predictions, and we had an open question. The 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 full spread. How about for uh, for Caleb? What is on your list for today? Sure, I got a, I got a hodgepodge. Um, first off, I think I, I looked back and realized, oh, I could have figured that out if I had really been, you know, taken copious copious notes it is mentioned that el hokar was gavilar's heir in the prologue with zeth so it makes sense that he's the king now um so i think i slightly missed it there but i do think dalinar is going to be our prince with regards to the four people mentioned on the back of the book also makes sense because gavilar talked about his brother needs to find this thing um so yeah that that's i think that's what's going to happen there um on the bridge crew, someone mentioned Talanalet Elen, bearer of all agonies, which makes me ask, like, okay, do these people know that Talanel got screwed over? Because bearer of all agonies is a very specific epithet to be giving someone. Um, so I'm curious if, I imagine they don't have the full story, but I'm curious if part of the mythology is they are aware that Talanel had to take on more than the other nine at some point 
um, which I just think is really interesting. I, again, I, knowing that the names have changed, I think it's really cool seeing how these people who we know were real because we saw them in the prelude, seeing how they were, um, how they have been, their tales have been transformed over the years. I think that's really cool. Um, also, I don't think so, this will end up mattering at all, but another cool world building detail I mentioned, all of the months appear to be named after the Heralds as well. Um, they all have, um, the first syllable is almost always the first syllable of a, of a Herald. When we look at these uh, um, last words at the beginning of each chapter, it'll say what month the, the words were recorded in. I assume those are months. I guess we don't know for sure, but what seems to be um, month names, and there's one that's very clearly inspired by Yezrian, one that's uh, inspired by Talonel. Just a cool little thing. Um, next up, I have two... Uh, two entries into a new section which is called Fool Caleb Twice in which I have a weirdly specific theory that I've already had before that I'm making again even though it turned out to be wrong last time. Um, the first one is me seeing a character do something weird and going, hmm, is that magic? And this time around I'm saying probably not, but maybe... <laughs> Shallan has some kind of magic memory because there's a couple of like it's phrased weirdly where she very specifically says she blinked her eyes or closed her eyes so that she could remember the moment forever which could just be like standard photographic memory that people in real life have but with all the focus on eyes and how all the magic is tied to eyes there's a slight chance that there's something a little bit mystical happening there I don't know it was just it was phrased in a weird way and so I clocked it and was like hmm I wonder if that's something um, and then the other one is, um, previously I have, <laughs> this is weirdly, weirdly specific. Back in Mistborn, we were trying to figure out what all the metals were. I predicted that obsidian would be one of them. And I even pointed out obsidian in real life is not technically a metal, but I feel like it's going to be important because there's all of the volcanoes. The inquisitors have obsidian on their weapons. That's going to be important. Completely wrong about that. This time around. I have another theory related to obsidian being treated as a thing that it's technically not. Because <laughs> okay. we learned in Emperor's we learned in Emperor's Soul that they have a fantasy word for aluminum, which is Ralkalest, I think it was. Yes. Um and in this time we get a look at the Soulcaster, and it's mentioned that Yasna has a a gem of smokestone on the Soulcaster. And Maybe I just don't know my geology. Maybe smokestone is a real thing. I feel like that's a new word that I haven't seen before. But I'm curious if it's a fantasy word for an established thing already. And my first gut was, it could be onyx, but onyx can come in lots of different colors. And then I was like, it could be obsidian. Then I remembered, it's specifically called a smokestone gemstone. Obsidian sure is not a gemstone. But it'd still be cool if it was obsidian, because obsidian is cool. <laughs> so anyways, that's, that's it for Fool Caleb Twice. I have no idea if any of that's going to happen, but a couple of thoughts. Um, okay, now we're now getting to real hodgepodge territory. Um, uh, Kaladin mentions the weeping at one point, and how the weeping is usually followed by weaker storms afterwards. So I feel like the weeping is probably one big storm that happens once a year or so. And perhaps that's the big storm on the map. It always comes from the east, but... Um, Justin alluded to perhaps it is it is more hurricane like and that is a moving storm, um, but it is something I, I do think they have to consistently deal with. Um, a detail that was not particularly specified 
and it will probably get revealed in the next chapter or two, but um, uh, has not technically been confirmed yet. Um, they mentioned Kaladin was branded a deserter, but that's not the actual reason why he got sold as a slave. I'm guessing it's specifically because he killed a Light Eyes. I imagine a Dark Eyes killing a Light Eyes, even on the battlefield, is probably seen as a big no-no. Um, and that's the reason why he's been um, branded. And that's also why Flocka is like, hey, if they found out the real reason why, no one would ever trust you again. Um, if it is a cultural taboo for a Dark Eyes to kill a Light Eyes, that would explain that. Um, and we know Kaladin went to attack a Light Eyes and did seem to um, kill him, but that's that's specifically the reason why he's he's being treated differently from the other prisoners. In addition to you know the ten uh, escape attempts, um, there's a mention that the camp is camping out in a crater-like rock formation that looked like a broken eggshell. Now, I'm not super confident in this, but we know we know some Voidbringers are made of rock. And if there's particularly giant Voidbringers, there's a chance those are broken eggshells, which I think would be really, really cool. Um, and that is slightly tied into um, uh, uh, building off of, of what Sam said about, hey, that cave-in was weird. I wonder if that's going to continue to be a problem. Um, knowing that some Voidbringers are made of stone, I think it'd be interesting if maybe that cave-in was caused because there's some Voidbringers waking up or something. I think that might be tied to that in some way. Um, next thing I have, Yasna has access to a shard blade. There's a weird, the story passes over it very quickly, but there's a weird, um, point where they're looking at the rock and Yasna's like, uh, it's going to be a lot of magic, buddy. And the king goes, oh, if we had a shard blade, it would go easier. And Yasna goes, I'm not going to renegotiate, which I think heavily implies that she does have access to a shard blade, but she doesn't want to give it up. Um, uh, next up in terms of where the plot will go. Shallan will successfully steal the Soulcaster, but won't be able to use it, because she doesn't know how to use magic. But then, Yasna is going to be impressed by the theft, and will agree to take her on as a ward because of that, and that will also involve training in Soulcasting. I think that's how that's going to play out. Um, then I'm going to time travel back to a specific quote we got. Um, I think it's chapter 4? the 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 dying words um healer why do you take my blood who is that beside you with his head of lines now that sounds suspiciously like a spooky drawing we've all seen um in a, perhaps a bonus full page illustration unique to this edition um we see some people with a lot of weird lines forming their heads i think that might be what that's referring to so maybe these are ghost people who appear in front of dying people i don't i don't know any explanation but i think that person with his head of lines is referring to these entities that we see in that sketch um and then also we mentioned hey it's gushalan as a has a weird weird ominous chapter logo but that same quote about the head of lines i can see a distant sun dark and cold shining in a black sky now first off that's night veil as shit second off if we go look at the the chapter logo for Shalon, sure could be interpreted as a sun in the distance shining in a dark sky. I don't know. I feel like that's that might be what that is. What that that's that's what's done there happening. Don't know what it means. Don't know what the meaning is. But I think that's that's what that whatever that is is what it is. Um. 
Also, in terms of a dark thing that is also shining, that sounds similar to the thing that Gavilar gave to Zeth. So I feel like that's going to be related in some way. Um, and then final two guesses here wrapping up. I think Shallan is going to be the first character to discover the titular Stormlight Archives of all these main characters. Um, and then last guess, um, because it's her chapter logo, Shallan is going to be the first main character to discover this spooky dark sun thing. And I'm predicting that that's going to end up being a baddie or I don't know if it's like a thinking and feeling thing. Regardless of whether or not it is, it is going to be a an entity that is a problem the characters will have to deal with. It's going to be a, like a bad thing that the, the characters have to have to figure out some way to stop. Whether or not some natural occurrence or if it's like an actual like villainous entity that has thoughts, I don't know. But I think it's going to be a problem. And that's all I got. All right. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to where we go from here. I like the the, the spectrum of, of predictions that we have. Uh, there were a couple that uh, that Beth and I had some thoughts on. We'll we'll get to those later, and I think for now we can head on to our next episode. Uh, we are going to be, like I said, we're going to be finishing part one. Uh, that's five chapters, seven through eleven, and uh, a a very brief look ahead uh, because it confirms. I think we just made this joke in the Discord. I don't think we made it on air. Uh, where we were looking at the repeated... Uh, okay, yeah, this is a joke that Sam made in our Discord. Uh, we were looking at the time skips between all of the chapters in our first episode and how the they were getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Uh, and, and Sam said, if we extrapolate, the next chapter will be back in time. Uh, during... Next episode, we are going to have a flashback chapter. So that is going to happen. <laughs> Correct <laughs> prediction. Yay. Highlighted green. <laughs> Did I put that? I, I might just put that on the sheet just so I can highlight it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're, we're going to get uh, two more uh, Shalon chapters, two more Kaladin chapters, and one that's a flashback. So we'll see we'll see where that takes us to the to the end of the part. When we do that episode, you will be able to listen to that at alwaysanotherpodcast.com, as well as email us at contact at alwaysanotherpodcast.com if you want to talk to us about Cosmere stuff or the latest episode or whatever. Or what was the the call today? Was um I've forgotten it already. I'm gonna be running polls on if it's scarves or scarfs. Right, that's it. Yes. Uh, the the crucial details, uh, and if you want to directly vote in that that poll, you can see on uh, on some of our social media. Uh, you can find our Twitter at always another pod, uh, Instagram at always another pod, and Mastodon at always another pod at kind social, where we can get uh, vital data on pronunciations of the plurals of scarf. <laughs> Fun fact, I believe for dwarf, the grammatical thing was always dwarfs until Tolkien, Tolkien yep. was like, no, it's dwarves. I've decided officially. Just changed his mind. And yeah. Didn't he do that with elves too? Maybe? It's very possible. Turns out that uh, we owe 
vast quantities of our fantasy culture to J.R.R. Tolkien just doing things. So we should still send the poll out, but what we really need to do is contact Christopher Tolkien and ask, hey, did (laughs) J.R.R. Tolkien go with scarfs or scarves? Which one did he go with? From what I've heard, contacting Christopher Tolkien is kind of fraught. He doesn't really like, like, interacting with people who want to do things with the Tolkien estate. What if I what if I wrote in to thank him for making a great into the woods joke about dwarfs possible? <laughs> you know, I guess that is the uh, the origin of that. They are very upsetting. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>